Hello and welcome to Switzer Investing. I'm Peter Switzer. Thanks for joining me. Now, on tonight's show, we work out why the stock market is negative now. Is it the lockdowns? Is it the rise of the Delta strain worldwide or something else? Um, we also are going to be looking at a number of stocks that a lot of viewers have been asking me to have a bit of a, a survey on with our experts. They are Rio, BHP, Webjet, HMilk, Simic, and AGL, as well as I threw a few questions on Nuix and Tyro. Now, we also will uh, look at other companies that come up along the way as well. And we'll do this with Julia Lee from Berman Invest, Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners, and then Paul Ricard talks up a stock that had a really good day at the office today. The Terra Royalties was up 3.64% today on a day when the overall market was down 0.73%. We'll find out from Paul Ricard why that actually happened. So without any further ado, let's cross over to Julia Lee. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Great to be here, Pete. Now, look, I know I lumped a few uh, stocks on you, but these are the stocks that people have been asking me about. Before we get these quickly, there's a bit of negativity on the market right now. Are you concerned about that negativity or do you see it as ultimately a buying opportunity? Look, I think one thing we've learned throughout the last 12 to 18 months is that the health outcomes go hand in hand with the economic as well as the earnings outcomes of the market. And at the moment, there is some concern, not only over inflation rising, but also the Delta variant, which is uh, starting to gain traction in a lot of parts of the world. But they are calling it the wave of the unvaccinated because it seems as though it is people that are unvaccinated that are hit hard. Um, so look, what I try and do, Pete, in a situation like this is instead of thinking about how things are now, I try and put myself forward uh, to 12 months time and think that I'm looking back on this period, wish, looking back at what I would have wished I would have done during this period. And look, what we've seen in uh, past waves is that the economic bounce back has been relatively quick. So I think that any weakness throughout this uh, lockdown period is probably an opportunity to accumulate, especially if we do see a bit of a deeper correction. Having said that, you know, the Australian market has really been bouncing around between 7,200 to 7,400 points over the last six weeks. And we're closer to the bottom end of that range at the moment. I guess the big question is what's going to break us out of that range. And I think reporting season, which is coming up in two weeks time, is going to be especially important. And at the moment, consensus is that we are going to see growth of about 25% in earnings for the last financial year. And for this financial year, consensus earnings growth expectations are at 19%. Which is not bad. Very good. And um, what we want to see that is a, a bit of a bump up and that should help support our market to rise higher. Yeah. Um, let's go to some of the stocks that some people have been asking me about. And the first one actually fits the bill. Problems for it now, but maybe in 12 months time, a company like Webjet. Yeah, look, I think Webjet um, it should do well over the next 12 to 24 months. And really, we're looking at recovery. But in that travel space, Pete, I have, um, I have preferences 
for corporate travel as well as Qantas, which I think will bounce back a bit faster and better than uh, Webjet. I think these companies are, will be in a better shape post-COVID than uh, pre-COVID. With Webjet, what we have seen is heavy dilution of the shareholder base because of the capital raising and the size of the capital raising that they have done over the last two years. So look, Webjet, it is in the short term about the, uh, the summer in the Northern Hemisphere. And look, I think that's going to be impacted by the Delta strain at the moment. So although I'm positive on Webjet over the next 12 to 24 months, I think corporate travel as well as Qantas will fare better. Yeah, I suspect Webjet will have a much better summer next year. Rather. Yes. <laughs> uh, but, but while you're there, also you, you mentioned corporate travel um, a couple of times over the last few weeks, and I, I must admit, <clears throat> luckily I, I gave them a chance, and I ignored that that very unfair hedge fund report that really smacked corporate travel before the coronavirus. Do, do you reflect upon that, Julia, that there are some really dodgy hedge fund reports out there that can be very unfair on companies? I, I do recall Tyro copped it, this company copped it, and there are a few out there. Look, I think when you're looking at any sort of report, whether it comes from a hedge fund or even a stockbroker, you sort of have to um, have a look at whether they do have any skin in the game. I mean, a lot of brokers um, participate in corporate capital raisings and IPOs as well. So some of these do have to be taken, I think, with a bit of a grain of salt, including some of the short reports when you know that they do have a short position in the marketplace. So look, it is all about doing your own research. I think with corporate travel, a lot of it is technology-based. And the reason I'm so positive on things like uh, corporate travel is that, you know, I've used the technology before in different corporations when I've been booking travel as well. So, look, usually there's a fatter margin in terms of corporate travel for that extra reliability. Um, and those margins are, are what makes and breaks often when you are seeing volumes coming through in the travel space. Yeah. Let's go to ice milk now. Yeah, A2 Milk. I mean, I really love A2 Milk, but probably uh, not at this stage. Um, look, some of this is a recovery story around the, the Daegu channel. Um, and look, we are likely to see some recovery there. But while COVID's been on, I think what we have seen is a shift in terms of the China market, which is so essential to A2 Milk share price, because that's where a lot of the earnings as well as the growth comes from. And with China, it looks like they're refocusing in on demand domestic brands. So it is becoming much more foreign brands to achieve growth in the China market. So while this is somewhat a recovery space, I do think it's going to be a lot different in terms of the growth story that we saw a few years ago, where we are seeing China not only refocusing in on domestic brands, but also really struggle, struggling with getting their birth rates up as well. So look, I'm a bit more cautious on uh, A2 milk, so probably a neutral there. If you were going to dip your toe in the water, um, I'd just put a little bit in and as the recovery took hold and we got um, an earnings report that was positive with a positive outlook, then I'd be putting some more money in there. But I suspect this August reporting season, we're going to see another soft report coming through from A2 Milk. Let's go to Simic now. 
Yeah, Simic's an interesting one. Um, we have seen work in hand uh, recovering. And if we have a look at Simic, uh, the majority of earnings comes from engineering and construction. Around about 65% of their earnings comes from that area. And then about 20% of it comes from uh, the mining uh, construction projects in, in that area. And the rest comes from property as well as development. So look, Simic has a, a good um, exposure to infrastructure where we are seeing a lot more infrastructure spending coming through from federal governments. I think that also has to be balanced, though, with um, rising labour costs, because we aren't seeing the overseas migration coming through. Costs um, in terms of project work are increasing, and that's a, a huge risk to any sort of company that deals in project work. So with CIMIC, I'd just be a little bit cautious despite infrastructure spend probably going up over the next two to three years, and I'd be waiting until the borders opened and I guess the migration flows came through. Through, so we saw those labour costs coming back down. But I suspect any of those companies that are involved in project work, this reporting season is going to be a really important and crucial one to see whether costs are rising and margins are shrinking in terms of their business. Okay. This is a company I suspect you, you got very little interest in, but I'll still throw it at you, AGL. Yes, AGL. I really feel for AGL shareholders, Pete. They've had a horrible time over the last 52 weeks, mainly from wholesale electricity prices uh, trending lower. And what we have seen is that a lot of people have solar panels now on their house and they're adding uh, electricity to the network and that's been leading to a decrease in prices. So renewable energy really has played a part. The good news for a lot of these electricity generators is that over the last quarter, prices have recovered very strongly. But unfortunately, for AGL in that last quarter when we were seeing that recovery in prices, they saw a number of outages, which meant they weren't really able to fully benefit from that rise in prices. Now, AGL, you know, there's going to be a new CEO. We've seen us. Um, plans to split the business out. But I guess this is a case where we are seeing structural headwinds, where we are seeing renewables pay, playing a much larger part. And those coal generation assets that AGL Energy has uh, not only unpopular, but also seeing pricing pressures because of that, um, that really once in a generation change that we are seeing to our electricity mix. And look, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. So I'd be be pretty cautious on AGL. Much prefer Origin Energy in this sector. Nice long thumbs down um, from uh, Julia Lee. Uh, yeah, I think I mentioned that uh, four weeks ago we were talking about AGL Energy, maybe six weeks ago as well. And look, Origin would be. Well, my viewers complain we weren't talking about AGL, so I thought I'd give in to the viewer. <laughs> Quite a couple of quick ones. Newix, you know, is this going to be a stock that one day you reckon you'll buy once all the, the um, rubbish is out of the way? Yeah, look, I think at the moment it is suffering from being unloved and um, look, the, the huge amount of bad news that it's had, it's had its CEO depart, its CFO depart, its chief operating officer depart, it's had a number of downgrades, it hasn't met its IPO forecast. So there's certainly a lot of negatives out there. Having said that, I think the market has been a bit too pessimistic and there's been a number of studies that show that the market does tend to overreact, not only on the upside, but also on the downside as well. And I 
suspect Nuix is one where it has um, overreacted on the downside. If you are taking a longer term view, I think um, there is some merit in a small position here. And then as the good news builds, um, that you build uh, a positioning. But this is one where you are very much looking at a rebuild of confidence um, in this stock, given that they've lost so many of their C-suite um, and their key personnel, and of course, uh, the confidence of investors. But it's at times like this when the whole market is against a particular stock that potentially um, there's some good returns to be had if we do see a shift in terms of confidence. We know that in terms of its business, it hasn't been able to meet some of its prospectus forecasts because some of its clients have been moving from just purchasing the software outright to moving to software as a service model. So our new X being impacted by that, but that's more of an accounting fix than anything else that they aren't able to book it in one go instead they book it the revenue over time so look Nuix I think is an interesting one probably not a popular view jumping in at this stage but I take a small position and build as more positive news comes out yeah, one final one I wrote today about Tyro the, the typical company that I think is a pretty good company but it, it clearly is suffering because of in Melbourne but if the market is selling it off now if you take a six-month view hopefully whooping it up around Christmas time or New Year, that would be a good time for a company like Tyro, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, Tyro is a disruptor in this space. It's new and it works on tech technological innovation, which is a great space to be. Um, obviously, in the short term, it's quite challenged because of the lockdown over in Melbourne as well as in New South Wales. But if you're taking a 12 to 24 month view, very much a recovery stock and also the ability to be able to sell complementary banking services. I think it's an interesting one to the small and medium enterprise area because it is an area that is underserviced as well. So look, I'd be uh, picking things up when things are looking very cheap for Tyro. A lot of these companies that have been hit short term because of this lockdown, I think there's an opportunity because Pete, I suspect that this is probably the last lockdown to do with COVID because as vaccination rates climb, these uh, lockdowns hopefully will become unnecessary. So I guess this is a, a one of those stocks where if you're, you know, looking forward in 12 months time and looking back to now, do you wish you had bought this stock? And I suspect that it's probably one of those. Um, and given that this is probably the last lockdown, I'd be looking at those companies that have been negatively impacted by COVID whether it's in the hospitality space or the travel space, because I suspect that this is probably the last lockdown, hopefully the last lockdown that we'll have. Well, as Paul Keating used to say, you and I, Julia, we're on a unity ticket on that one. I think <laughs> last lockdown. Thanks very much for joining us. Thanks, Pete. That's Julia Lee of The Invest. Coming up now is Adam Dawes from Shaw and Partners. Become an annual Switzer Report subscriber and get unprecedented access to my seven investing principles where I reveal the exact strategies I use to invest. You'll get access to an exclusive PDF, video recording, and even a free copy of my book, Join the Rich Club. With a 30-day money-back guarantee, a Switzer Report subscription is one of the wisest investments you can make towards your future. Find out more at switzerreport.com.au slash YouTube offer or click on the link in the description below. Well, joining me now on the program is Adam Dawes from Shaw and Partners. Thanks for joining us, Adam. As always, Peter, it's fantastic to be here. 
Mate, let's kick off why the market's negative today. There was a, a bad lead in from Wall Street, I guess. But I guess my worry is, are they starting to get a little bit spooked about coronavirus numbers overseas? Yeah, look, it, it was interesting. We, we, we definitely saw the futures trying to push higher most of the day. So I think our market tried to rally, but it was just this sort of consistent selling. And, and I think it's a little bit of concerning about what's happening in the big miner space. We saw Rio reporting some sort of uh, numbers that weren't fantastic, and certainly we're going to talk about that in a sec. But so I think some of our bigger miners might be sort of weighing down on our market today. They have been doing a lot of the heavy lifting over the last three or six months now. So look, it certainly looks like uh, that potentially that sort of rally might have come to somewhat of an end. Uh, but look, you know, I think overall you're right. Coronavirus is going to continue to impact share prices as we go further and further down this rabbit hole of lockdowns or snap lockdowns and not getting out of them. So I think the market and Australia needs to come to some kind of realisation that this isn't going to end anytime soon. I must admit I am taking the attitude of my own investing is to, to look at stocks that I think in 12 months time will be miles better off because of vaccinations and the opening up of a more normal economy by the middle of next year, which means I'm I'm taking a, a longer term view on what, what might happen to stocks. Mm. But at the moment, those sorts of stocks, and I'll give you a classic example, Tyro is a great company, I think, and it's going down. But let's face it, um, they're, they're strong in the hospitality sector and mm. Melbourne and Sydney are closed down. Ain't much hospitality going on. So it's sort of understandable why Tyro's share price might be down. Yeah, and it's also they've got a very big pre presence in that retail space as well. So every time you tap the card for anything, they're the in-between that does that. So in a normal economy, in a normal world, these guys should do very, very well. And obviously everything's moving to card or plastic kind of payments. So then, I mean, yes, you could argue a little bit more is going online versus the ones that are sort of staying. But look, I think overall Tyro is a great business getting affected but like with everybody's portfolio, they really should be looking at these things and potentially being a little bit nimble to start with, but then also buying good quality companies when they're down. And I think, you know, Tyro definitely fits that bill. Yeah, so like the, the one-year view, if we are back to normal by then, we don't know if we are, but if we are, it should have a better share price. Well, yeah, I mean, I had a great comment from a broker today on the floor. He basically, we said, said, you know, what do you think about the market? And they said, look, he said, look, the ASX is looking for reasons to sell at the moment. The market is looking shaky and looking for reasons to sell. But if you've got a three, six, even a 12-month view, then you'd be buying. But in the first, this sort of three months or sort of in between, I think it's just looking a little bit edgy. So we could see a little bit of a pullback. And that's just going to give the market enough oomph to then to move forward and move higher potentially. So short term, I think we're in a little bit of a uh, holding pattern, as it were. Yeah. Okay, let's go to Rio. You, you, you brought that up. Their share yeah. price, have been, BSP in particular, been doing fantastically well. So what was the bad news that Rio brought to the market? Yeah, look, I don't, I don't know if it's bad news. It was just more along the lines of tempering expectations going forward into the, the, the full year and, and, and I guess in the next coming couple of years that iron ore potentially is not going to stay at $200 a tonne, which we all knew that wasn't going to be there forever. But I think Rio and, and BHP, and, and in fact, BHP reports tomorrow. So that's a really one for investors to keep an eye on. But look, I think Rio just tempered expectations on where that uh, where that iron ore price is going to go. And then basically, yeah, getting that out of the ground. So 
Dividends were fantastic. Everything else is fine. I think everything else is going to be okay in these quarterlies, but it's just that expectation potentially is not going to be as good as what we first expected. So when people ask me on the Boom, Doom and Zoom show, should, should we buy the miners? And we keep saying, well, maybe you hold if you got in at a very good price. Yeah. Time to buy the miners, you're saying? Uh, so I, I yeah, I definitely wait till uh, reporting season to get a really good look, and and I think uh, August August the twentieth or something is for BHP, um, and, and some same same time around that for Rio as well. We also this week is really important because we've got Vale reporting their quarterlies as well, and that's obviously going to give us a really good indication on iron ore outside of Australia. Yeah. And so that's going to give us a clear indication of demand and how they're traveling as well. So, yeah, I, I potentially, I mean, if you're a dividend investor, you never buy resource stocks with dividends. However, the dividends are going to be fantastic this half. So uh, be careful. But I think, yes, you just be a little bit cautious around here. And look, Rio at, at 130 bucks, BHP at 50, 51, where it is. It's looking a little bit toppy up here. We, you know, historically know when they get to these kinds of levels, if there is a pullback, there's your opportunity. Just at the moment, I think the resource stocks are just going to take a bit of a breather. Okay. A couple of stocks that uh, viewers have thrown into this, um, and I'll throw them your way. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Well, the first one we're looking at is Webjet. I mean, obviously, Webjet is a, a travel recovery business. And what I first looked at the Webjet is looking at how Australia is in this recovery versus the world, versus international. How, how is that uh, affecting it? Now, I think globally, recovery or travel recovery is happening a lot faster than potentially we would have thought. Domestically, though, it's pretty horrible and will continue to be for a while until we get these vaccination rates up. So I think while data remains really strong globally, I think Australia and, and obviously Webjet is that sort of local or, or, or domestic travel bubble or, or whatnot as well. So I think, look, I'd be cautious on Webjet. I'd certainly think Flight Centre I'd be cautious on as well. Obviously, Qantas is probably your first mover in, in any kind of recovery. And I think that's probably a better bet as it stands at the moment. But I have seen the market revising forecasts and they have been revising them on a lower rate due to these significant lockdowns that have just happened as well. So I'll be really careful with, with Webjet at the moment. Okay, um, A2 Milk has had a, a good run recently after a shocking run. Is, yeah. is the worst behind A2 Milk? Uh, you know, I, I hope it is, because I own shares at higher prices for myself yeah. and for clients. So like, I'll put it out there. But there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about with uh, A2 Milk. It certainly has bottomed and now started to move up again, which I think is a positive. But some of the things that the market's talking about is that China's now sort of scrapped its one-child policy. They are going to be putting into 2025 and and ongoing, uh, there's going to be more children being born in China. Now, A2 Milk is going to fit nicely in that uh, section where you need milk, uh, you need powdered milk to, to feed your children. So I think that's the, certainly the first thing. Um, China exports or the Daigao proxy, which is what we do talk about, is actually up for the fourth month in a row. So in other words, to, to, you know, moving towards increasing the number of exports of powdered milk to China is actually doing quite well also. So that's the second thing. And then the third thing is the exchange rate fluctuation. We have started to see the Aussie dollar starting to fall towards the China, China yuan 
and things like that. And I think that's a really positive case for uh, A2 milk as well. So look, I like the story. I own it at higher prices. I think this one should do okay. There's a couple of those metrics that I think is actually really supportive to the tailwind of A2M's share price at the moment. Well, I've got to say that was a very good answer because you could just simply said yes. <laughs> I always come prepared when I talk to you, yeah? I always come prepared. Fantastic. Quick, quick to burn out, Simic, not one of my favourite companies, but it's a company that should have always done well, uh, but there are a few question marks and curveballs with Simic, but what do you think? All right, I'll, I'll keep this one short. Uh, it, I think it's a neutral for me. I, uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's a tough space, and especially with these lockdowns and these sort of now uh, construction lockdowns or as they're, as they're you know, occurring, I think it's a hold for me. I, I, I will be cautious on Simic at the moment. Yeah, and finally, AGL. <sighs> yeah, look, it's a tough one. We've been a seller of this one for a while now. Um, and look, they've tried to re-energize their business, selling some of their assets and doing these kinds of things. But there's three key points that I think the AGL is still uh, an avoid. One is power demand continues to remain flat. Fuel costs are going up. So in other words, coal to put in the Yoi Lang power plant, which is one that basically powers half of Melbourne, coal prices have been at their highest level in, uh, in, in many, many years. So I think that's the coal prices and, and cost prices going higher. And then the retail market really remains quite benign as well. So I'd be really cautious. I'm looking for, um, uh, hopefully get a, they get a somewhat of a good report, but I don't think it's going to be a good report. Um, they've got their quarterly coming out and their, half, and their full year coming up as well. I think it's one to avoid. I think there's, you know, let's get some more water under the bridge. Let's see if they find a new CEO and then potentially we can start buying this thing. But I think it's a long way away from at the moment. Uh, I, there was one last one I slipped in was Newix. And I've, I've got to ask this question because we, we know it was a ridiculous prize after listing. Yeah. We know it was a price because we didn't know all that stuff that we know now. And our price has fallen. And every time tech stocks get clobbered, they clobber it pretty heavily. But we know the underlying business was uh, perceived to be good enough to list around five dollars, and it's now what around two dollars something. Yeah. Now, is there over the next year or two? Do you think there's upside for Newix? Year or two, yes, absolutely. If you take a longer term view on this one, I've always got a very big rule that I put across a lot of my stocks that if they are in legal proceedings, is somewhere to to avoid. And this one is going to become a legal proceeding. There is going to be a, a backlash from shareholders. There is going to be some issues there. They've just lost, lost a lot of their management as well. So I'm, I'm cautious on this one. Longer term, the actual business is very, very good. It's just the management will really sort of stuff this one up. So I, I think you'd be cautious. I wouldn't be buying at the moment. I'd wait to see how some of these legal proceedings start to work out. But then from there, look, if you've got a longer term view, you can start dipping your toe in the water, but I'd be very cautious at the moment. I expect a fast return soon. Mm, exactly. Thanks for joining us on the program, mate. Take care. Thank you. And that was Adam Dawes of Shore and Partners. And joining me now is Paul Rickard from the Switzer Report. And as I said earlier, uh, a company he wants to talk about today had a, uh, a good day at the office, up about 3.64%. Paul, tell us about this company called Deterra Royalties. Yeah, a bit of an unusual one, Peter, because it's a, a royalty company. It's the biggest. Um, and, of course, this company earns 
uh, its income because it owns the, the mining assets for what is called mining area C. Now, that sounds like a technical term, but in fact, it's a huge part of the Pilbara. That's where you have things, uh, mines from both BHP and Mitsui, including both the north flank and the south flank. And uh, there've been sort of big development projects and it's set to become Australia's biggest uh, iron ore producing area. In fact, probably the world's biggest uh, producing area itself. So this company, Detura Resources, which has got an ASX code of, uh, of DRR, it actually owns the, uh, um, or has a royalty to the income that the miners produce. So it's sort of um, a way to participate in the mining boom, but probably with a little more or less risk and something that uh, offers a very attractive yield. Paul, well, is it a bit like the miners pay these guys rent to be in that area and actually doing all the hard work, like investing in the holes and paying the men to, to, and women to do the work, but these guys just pick up the rent? Yeah, it's a bit like a commercial landlord, Peter, you could say, who doesn't have to spend anything on the business because there's no capital spent here. Um, they just get paid um, uh, whether they just on the basis of how much is mined and the price it's sold and uh, do absolutely nothing. There's no, no heavy lifting to be done. And often some of these things uh, are historical. Someone actually owned the, the mining lease and then they paid a, paid a loyalty. You remember that people like um, you know, Gina Hancock made a lot of money out of the royalties that... Um, uh, her father, Len Hancock, um, um, uncovered in, in WA, again, in that same sort of Pilbara area. So this is a company that does that. No, no capital involved, uh, but also it's looking to expand. And the way a lot of these companies work is that they sometimes provide the startup capital uh, for a, a miner coming into production. And in return for that, they get uh, some sort of uh, royalty payment on the revenue that the mine produces. Mm, okay, so you're going to write about this anyway for the Switzer report. Uh, why were you writing about it? And was it, was it just a coincidence that the market uh, took off on the day you were writing it? I'd say my brilliant timing, Peter, but more than a coincidence, I think there are other people recognising this company's pretty cheap. Now, it's not a new company, but it's only been on the market about nine months. Uh, it was a spin-off from Aluka Resources. So Aluka demerged uh Detura back in November last year. Uh, traded as high as about $5.35 in December. And on Friday, closed down at $4.40. So it's actually come off since the demerger and lost about 15%. But that's occurred at the same time that the iron ore price has gone up by 40%. And this company gets paid a fixed percentage of the revenue um, that, that BAP, BHP earns. Plus, um, production's also increasing. So one of the things, I mentioned this sort of south flank area, this has been a major project of BHP that's just uh, came on stream at the start of June. The first production was achieved. Uh, and over the next uh, X number of years, um, something like the, the volume coming out of mining area C is going to increase by about 2.4 times. So this actually has increasing production. Uh, the, oil, the iron ore price has gone up and uh, the royalties company deterrent actually gone down. So I think a lot of people just said, look, this is super cheap. Uh, it's forecast to uh, generate a yield next year of about 5%. Uh, that's fully franked. It has a policy of paying out 100% uh, of its uh, net profit after tax. It's a very you know, um, uh, light company. There's very low overhead. It doesn't do anything else apart from own these royalties. Uh, and, and I think 5% yield uh, is pretty hard to, to achieve. So 
Look, that's I think that others in the market just said this company's cheap. The brokers like it. They've got a target of four dollars ninety-five. I suspect it was my brilliance, Peter, but um, just other people saw the same thing. It was, like, it was like your brilliance before you actually wrote it that people actually saw it. Now, Paul, I guess the important point for people to understand is this: that you know it's nearly a seven percent yield, but what could drive that yield down? What other the curveballs out there that might undermine this very good yield. Yeah, it's it's not riskless, Peter. So un unlike a mining company where you have obviously risk in terms of getting the sales price, you've also got a lot of risk in actually producing the ore or, or the metal you, you're doing. And that includes a lot of mining operational risk. Mines have problems, you get a cyclone, you get whatever is going to happen, uh, you know, labour costs go up, all those type of things. So you have the same type of price risk, that is that the Deterra gets paid just over 1%, 1.2% of the gross sales proceeds that, that companies like BHP earn. So the higher the iron ore price, the, the higher the royalty. And of course, if iron ore falls out of bed, then so is Deterra's income. But it also gets paid a, uh, a royalty in terms of the volume that, that uh, BHP and others produce. And above a certain threshold, as the, as the tonnage goes up, they get paid a fixed amount. So it has some protection on the volume side in the sense that Peter, that the these the cost to produce the, the Pilbara, as we know, is in the, sort of the lowest quartile on a global basis. So it's probably unlikely that production is going to um, is going to stop. Uh, you don't have any of the actual mining problems, so you don't have to you don't have, don't have to mind you know spend any money on labour or any of those sort of controls. So you have less risk than a miner, but you still have the underlying price risk in terms of uh, what the what you get paid for selling the commodity. Now, most of the brokers, uh, they've got a target price on, on consensus of $4.95. That assumes a lot lower uh, ongoing uh, price for iron ore. I think all of us don't think the $210, $220 is sustainable. It's more likely to come back under $100 at some stage. So a lot of that's already built into the calculation, uh, but at least for the next couple of years, it's going to be a pretty attractive yield. Less risk than a miner, but still some risk. All right, Paul, that's great. So that's in the Switzer Report. People can check it out at switzerreport.com.au. We can do a free trial. But the sensible thing would be become a long-term committed person to the Switzer Report. Absolutely, Peter. We've got a lot to read there. James Dunn's also got a fantastic story today about um, six nickel producers. And nickel's another commodity that's going through the roof, and uh, a lot of people think it's uh, product demand for that is set to soar. Great stuff. Thanks for joining us, Paul. Thanks, Peter. And that's the show for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Remember, if you do want to try and improve your investing performance, have a real good look at the Switzer Report. And you can also read Switzer Daily each day. Thanks for joining us. I'll see you on Thursday.